What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On the Power Play. After our week break, uh, it is me, your boy, Brian, as always joined by my fantastic co-hosts, Adam and Matt. What is up, gentlemen? Boys, summer loving had me a blast. <laughs> wow. Is that you, Danny Zuko? Huh. Is it, is, me, it weird? Baby. is it weird? I feel like I'm <laughs> I feel like I'm giving off strong sandy vibes right now. I got I'm, Whoa. Swaying, I'm swaying a little bit. Do I'm I need to leave? leave? You're the summer <laughs> summer sandy, dude. You're the yellow dude, I dress. I am summer sandy. I got I'm looking pretty and everything. You guys need <laughs> some alone time? Do I need to leave? <laughs> I feel like a third wheel. Hey, every good tricycle needs a third wheel. <laughs> That's great. I've never heard that before. I love oh, man. And we're a hockey podcast, folks. Um, so speaking of hockey podcasts, we're going to, we're going to, what I usually do is uh, we pick a, uh, we have a number episode. This uh, episode is number 35 and we have a player attached to that episode. Um, so by chance of fate and really unfortunate fate, uh, episode number 35 is going to be in the honor of the memory of Tony Esposito, who wore the number 35 for the Chicago Blackhawks in his career, uh, which spanned from, uh, when was it? Um, 1968 to 1984. Boy, that's a long career, man. Wow. Yo, 1969. I'm sorry. 1969 to 1984. Uh, 15-year NHL career. Uh, all with Chicago. Uh, he posted a 38, 17, and 9 record with 15 shutouts and a 217 goals against average in his rookie season, which is when he won that's, his first of three Vesnas. That's insane. As well as the Calder Trophy as the league's top rookie. Uh, he was a six time All Star and had a career record of 423, 306, and 151 with a 292 goals against, a 906 save percentage and 76 shutouts. He was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1988, four years after his brother, Boston Bruins legend Phil Esposito. Uh, He unfortunately lost his battle with pancreatic cancer. Uh, Hashtag Tony O is going all over Twitter right now if you guys want to kind of hear some cool stats and stuff about uh, the man that created butterfly goaltending. Uh, He was pretty much the first to drop to his knees and really cover the bottom end of the net. And kind of because of him is why hockey sticks have curves now so that players can shoot above the leg pads on the ice Uh, because of players like Tony Esposito, who were going with the butterfly method of making sure they covered the bottom of the net. Uh, So literally my play style when I was a goalie is because of this man. Also, He's one of the reasons I wore the number 35. Um, So the fact that Tony Esposito has passed at the young age of 78 um, is unfortunate. And our thoughts are with the Esposito family, especially his, uh, his brother, Phil. Um, Boys, do you guys have any uh, Esposito things? Got any cool facts or anything like that? Or I know it's, it's mostly a me thing being a goalie and whatnot, but you know, yeah, when my dad, you know, was going to games back at the Spectrum when, you know, Flyers were in their 
early day, early years of being a franchise, you know, Chicago would come in pretty frequently. And, you know, those Esposito boys, they were, they were tough, tough customers. Even being a goaltender, you know, the, the, the thing that, that he was just a couple of years removed from goalies not even being allowed to go to the ice, like that would be against the rules. And then they got rid of that, and then he was the first one to be like, "Okay, I'm just going to cover the bottom of the net." Take advantage Cause you of got, it, exactly because you guys got like Brett Hull, you know, Rocket Richard, Maurice Richard, you know, r- real pure goal scorers who you know shot the puck hard but didn't really get it above like two, three feet. Cover the bottom of the net. That's the style of a butterfly goaltender, and Tony Esposito was the first to do it. Uh, just. And it's, it's such a thing now where almost you could really consider every goaltender in the league now, even the ones that consider themselves hybrid goaltenders, to be butterfly goaltenders. You're not seeing any more stand-up goaltenders. I think that kind of – the last goalie to really do it stand-up style for a lot of the time was Martin Brodeur. And even at the end of his career, he almost went full butterfly. Um, so just – an awesome career, a great hockey mind, a great ambassador for the game of hockey. Uh, very unfortunate, the passing of Tony Esposito. Um, our thoughts are also with the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Uh, to move And the Esposito family, yeah. Of course, the, the Esposito family. Uh, to move forward, we got uh, kind of a bunch of big stuff. And at the end of the episode, we're going to have a little bit of fun. Uh, but let's go through... I mean, kind of the big talking points uh, in, in the NHL right now. We're going to start with a talking point that seems to be reoccurring on this show. And that is a one uh-huh. Jack Eichel, currently of the Buffalo Sabres. But he was supposed to be traded by now, right? Like it was supposed to have already happened at this point. For all the um, moves God. Buffalo has made, it's surprising they weren't, they didn't make the one everyone was expecting. They've cleaned house except for the big fish. You know, that pond is empty and there's just a shark in there. Uh, and from a San Jose shark, a San Jose shark. Sorry, buddy. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah, know. I don't see that. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like where your head went though. Always good to think about your team. Um, but however, because of this delay and what seems, I think is the inevitable, Jack Eichel and his uh, party, not pleased. So in a statement, um, which was posted by Lance Lisowski of the Buffalo News uh, by uh, Jack Eichel's agent, uh, agents, multiple, Peter Fisher and Peter Donatelli. They gotta said, love the Fisher. Gotta love a good Fisher. Uh, it's, uh, well, it's actually just Peter Fish. <laughs> Uh, Peter Fish, mm. just Peter Fish, just 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 fish. No Ur, just fish. No relation um, to Matt, of course. Yes, no, no relation. Uh, the statement goes, "quote The process is not working." As previously stated, we fully anticipated a trade by the start of the NHL free agency period. After the agreed upon and prescribed period for conservative rehabilitation lapsed in early June 2021. It was determined by the Sabres medical staff that a surgical procedure was required. The recommendation by Jack's independent neurosurgeon, other spine specialists consulted, and the surgery Jack feels most comfortable having in order to correct a herniated disc in his neck is to proceed with artificial disc replacement surgery. 
A further point of concern is that our camp was initially under the impression that the Sabre specialist was in agreement with the artificial disc replacement surgery until that was no longer the case. The statement continues, what is being left out of the discussion is that Jack would be able to play in the NHL for the start of the season pending medical clearance if he were allowed to have the surgery he desires even as of this date. And that was that was July 30th. Um, repeated requests have been made to the Sabres since early June to no avail. This process is stopping Jack from playing in the NHL and it is not working. Peter Fish and Peter Donatelli. Well, <laughs> so it sounds like the Sabres are trying to screw Jack Eichel right now, if I'm getting the gist of this. So they've agreed upon, and Jack has gone to all of his independent surgeons and specialists, and the, the Sabres have done their thing, that the proper procedure would be the artificial disc replacement surgery, which, by the way, uh, because of technology, is actually quite minimally invasive and only requires a little bit of rehabilitation, which is why they were saying even at the end of July, he would be able to start the season with whoever it is he plays for. However, apparently this surgery was supposed to happen in June. And the Sabres have been dragging their feet on whether they want to go through with it or not. So I got to ask, gentlemen, what do you think is happening here? What do you think the angle from Buffalo is at this point? Because they've currently sold house. There's no Rasmus Ristolainen, no Sam Reinhardt, no Linus Allmark, no Jake McCabe. Um, I mean, who, who's left? Who's Who you got? AC <laughs> Middlestat's the only name that comes to mind. Rasmus yeah, the Dahlien, only thing I'm like it. The only thing I really think of, like, it's like, are they really just trying to convince him to stay? Cause I don't know is how this bit, is the is, way to do it. Yeah. I, it's, yeah. Um, a team preventing you from having surgery isn't going to make you go, wow, they really care about me, you know? I should stay. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Here's the, the question I keep coming up with. Maybe it's because I'm not a hockey lifer, for lack of a better term. I'm still kind of new to the hockey world in a sense. What is how is the team exactly preventing Jack from getting surgery? Insurance. He's insured under contract by the team, so the team also has to have a say in what happens. He can't get surgeries unless the team clears team. it. Okay. Because technically speaking, he fortunately doesn't have to pay for his own insurance. That's that's the team's thing. Right. Unfortunately, the team decides if he gets surgery and what kind of surgery, uh, which right now looks like it sucks uh, because yeah. Jack Eichel is getting screwed out of possibly playing for the first portion of the 2021 season. So with that all going on and the lack of movement of a Jack Eichel, uh, teams have kind of been falling off the map of who wants him. The two main front runners I'm seeing right now are still the Rangers and the Calgary Flames are back in now. But how are we going to do this? Um, what's what is what are you trying to do, Buffalo? You've completely sold house. I, I I've been I just kind of thought of something like I know this is really really messed up because it's just like not thinking about a person's interests. Maybe they just kind of want to push it to the fact that like 
they'll they'll get it done. They'll kind of force him in Buffalo, and then he'll come back. Hopefully, hopefully, all parties expecting there's a real real fire under Jack Eichel's behind to play strong strong hockey, and come trade deadline, a team that's in the hunt is going to be calling for Buffalo, and they want that price to be asked, you know, higher than what they think is right now. I I get what you're saying, but, but that, also... But if we really think about that, that's a real... Real stain Look, man, on an organization. It's, fucked up. it's, fucked it's a up. real stain <laughs> on an organization. If you're trying to build something that is consistent, like consistent, like... Fans want to come to a game. They want to expect a playoff, a possible playoff team. Like, well, also that's not the way. Fans, yeah. There's a lot of fans that want to know the organization has the the right intentions for their star players that they covet. And obviously, the Sabers are proving they do not have the right intentions. And on top of what you said, Matt. Sure, they might want to push it off and be like, look at the fire that Jack Eichel has from how much we made him angry ourselves. Look at this. Um, But also, you got to think. That is such a ding on any trade you're going to try and make because teams are just going to be like, I mean, you're asking for a lot for a guy that needs back surgery. Every team is going to say that to them now. That has had back surgery, has recovered from back surgery. And is playing good hockey. No, but because the, the, the problem is, is that teams are going to want to give the Sabers less because if the Sabers trade him without having him do the surgery in Buffalo, teams got to cover that now. The team that acquires him now has to cover the surgery. So my thing here is. It's a detriment to your trade talks. And also, you're just making Jack Eichel more angry. What is Buffalo's angle here? And on top of that, if they're crying broke, which is a possible angle I thought of, you literally can't be crying broke. I have a paragraph here from ProHockeyRumors.com. It says, Right now, there are two teams in the league that are actually well short of the salary cap's lower limit of $60.2 million. The Ottawa Senators, and you guessed it, the Buffalo Sabres. According to Cap Friendly, Buffalo currently sits at a projected cap hit for the 2021-2022 season of just $52.8 million, more than $7.3 million under the lower limit. Um, you know, they got to sign Casey Middlestad, Rasmus Dahlin, and Henry... Uh, Yoki Haru. Oh, yeah, that's how you pronounce that. Yoki Haru. Uh, they have them to sign, right? Yeah, I mean, you could say that, but uh, those three restricted free agents will likely take them well over the salary cap floor, obviously. The problem is the projection includes the $10 million that Jack Eichel is owed. If the team trades him, suddenly they're more than $17.3 million under the lower limit, the limit you must have for a roster in the NHL. You are beneath by $17.3 million if you get rid of Jack Eichel. You cannot be crying broke when you have the lowest payroll. You can't cry broke. Guys. Yeah. 
we just need to get Jack like on the pod. Tell him how, tell us how he really feels. You <laughs> Jack, know? But, Jack, buddy, come like, come talk. Explain, to us. explain yourself. Come, come talk to the random dude from Pennsylvania. <laughs> Obviously, he would want to. Duh. Of Duh. course. I completely shocked the whole hockey world. Imagine though. If he comes on the pod, are we immediately Sabres fans? I feel like we have to, right? I will my, na- buy a- my neighbors are from Buffalo. They're part Sabres fans. Like, I feel like we would have to. Uh, but to kind of wrap this up with a bow, right now the Sabres are making themselves look really bad in a situation where they already looked bad. And I have a bad feeling that Jack Eichel is going to get screwed and not end up playing the first part of the, of the coming season because of this and eventually a team is going to have to work out some deal that the Sabres like but the Sabres are kind of preventing that in a way they're preventing a good deal from getting to them because teams are going to be like well you're forcing us to cover his surgery though why would we give you all of this to also take on his surgery and time off from recovering from said surgery so Basically, the Sabres are screwing themselves twice. Yeah. And then a third time, if he gets traded to a team and ends up playing the Sabres again and probably scoring four goals by himself and fighting the whole organization. Just a, just a, just an idea. Uh, Jack, if you want to take that and run with it, you can feel free. Just, you know, make sure you quote us. Yeah. Yeah, just OTPP pod! OTPP pod! Um, <laughs> speaking of players uh, in screwy scenarios... There was a rookie this year who uh, happened to be incredible to watch. And that was Kirill the Thrill from the Minnesota Wild. Now, some weird things are happening. So Kirill uh, Kaprizov is uh, Russian-born and has played in the KHL before coming to the NHL. He played for CSK Moscow in the KHL. Now, apparently... Because the contract talks have been taking so long with Minnesota. He has a tentative agreement that would take action on September 1st to play for CSK Moscow of the KHL for a year. Um, And that's if the Minnesota Wild can't put a a, a deal together. Um, So it is overwhelmingly likely that he will end up signing an extension and playing for Minnesota and uh, they'll be building off of him for, for many years to come. Yeah, sure. That's all fine and dandy. Um, however, Kirill Kaprizov and Paul uh, Theophanis, I believe is how you pronounce that his agent. They're kind of playing a dangerous game here uh, as far as handling the contract negotiations. Uh, I have an article here from hockeywilderness.com. That's the, uh, that's the SB nation wild Um, coverage. Uh, It says here, quote, while you can never blame a player for wanting to maximize their earnings and make the money uh, that they think they're worth, there comes a point where they can be a bit unreasonable in contract talks. And we have just about reached that point with Kaprizov and the wild. It has been reported that many times over the last few months, the wild have made seven and eight year offers in the range of eight to 9 million per season. Um, 
And but Kaprizov is apparently looking for a short term deal. Normally, you would think the Wild should just give in and sign him to a three year contract extension to ensure that he is with the team. But the problem with a short term contract is that he could be walked right to free agency if he signed a three year deal. And the Wild are obviously not willing to take that risk and potentially allow their best player, who they waited for more than five years to join the team, just walk into free agency after only four seasons with the franchise. So I got a question for you, gentlemen. If you're the wild, do you just give in and sign him for the three-year deal? Or do you keep pushing for a longer term deal and upping the money? He is your future as a franchise. He's proven that he almost single-handedly took you through a playoff run. Where do you move from now? I'd give it to him now and, uh, try and keep drafting well because if you sign him to a three-year deal you know there's a chance he leaves so you're going to want to have you know a backup plan but i'd sign him now i'd sign him now give him what he wants right i'm on your team right adam how about you so you're i mean you're the you're the gm of this group here so what what would you do if a guy is purposely like, nope, I, I just want a three to four year deal and we'll move on when the time comes. I would do it, but it would, if we're talking like me as the actual GM, I, it makes it a little bit harder for me not knowing what the price is. If he's asking for, say he wants to keep the $9 million, but he only wants three years, then no, I'm not going to do that. Cause that's going to handicap me when I'm already in a handicap situation as wild with those two bought out contracts in Greece and Sutter. So it's a, I would love to know where, how far apart they actually are outside of the term. Um, Cause that seems to be the biggest problem now, especially with the younger players. They don't want to stick around for six, seven, eight years. They want to maximize their earnings and make an Austin Matthews contract, a Connor McDavid contract. Right. Where I feel like guys like Crosby and Ovi were the opposite. They, they, they had that um, loyalty, I guess, for the teams that they were playing for. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I would give in. But at the same time, I can see kind of where Minnesota's coming from, trying to push that seven, eight-year deal. But I also see where Kirill's coming from and wanting to uh, – Make he wants it. to maximize the amount of money he could make, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's hard. I, I think I'd, if I have to give an answer, though, I'm with Fish. I would give him what he wants at this point just to get it over and done with and get this distraction behind us. It's kind I, of surprising, like, the knowing, everyone knowing in this sport that the next couple of years this the league's going to be experiencing a flat cap. So it's kind of surprising he wouldn't want that security. Yeah, because you don't know what's going to come with that. Mm. Yeah, but at the same time, I think he's kind of have he's got a good sense of confidence that he's going to stay healthy, he's going to play good hockey, and that when those three years comes, uh, he's going to be asking for you know a good long contract, and there's going to be multiple teams willing to do that. Right, and. So if I'm if I'm the wild, I'm also giving in on a three year, four year deal right now, depending on which one he agrees to. However, I'm making some favoritist stipulations 
not on paper, but with Kirill himself, where I'm saying, look, we want you to stay here for as long as possible. We're willing to do this short-term deal, but we want you to feel comfortable here. We would like your input on how you would like the team to move forward as far as give him an alternate captain because you just lost Sutter and Parise, so you got to give captaincies out somewhere, uh, or give him the C right out. I mean, up to you. But you have to start, as much as this sucks, because I hate it when teams do this, but if you want him to stay, which obviously Minnesota does, you have to make him feel like he is also kind of involved in the decision-making on the way the team's moving forward, about guys to sign, things to do, situations on the ice where he's like, hey, we obviously have a problem defensively, focus on getting some good defense in this on this team. You have to make him feel like he himself is invested in the team, and then he will obviously want to stay. But also at the same time, Matt brings up a very good point where the flat cap era is upon us relatively soon. At that contract, $9 million for, what was it, like nine years? Yeah. Nine, nine? Or After the flat eight. cap era, by the end of it, he could be making the most money out of anybody his age. Yeah. You know, and that's a lot of security to take into account. Now, I don't know if he's thinking about right that, uh, thinking about that right now, or his or his uh, his party is, but it's a weird situation, especially with the KHL being like, yeah, he's playing here September first. If you don't figure it out, it's August tenth. They have minimal time to get this done. Now, apparently, according to uh, Frank Saravali uh, on Twitter. According to reports, the initial hangup was the uh, seven, eight year deal. Uh, but apparently that wasn't the case. And there's a bunch of options in the term, but apparently Kaprizov's camp contends that there has been no offer made since April. However, both sides are still in communication. So obviously this could be a move where Kaprizov and his camp are kind of forcing Minnesota's hand. They're like, hey, I'll go play in the KHL. I don't mind playing back at home for a year. You had till September 1st. Give me what you got. Um, I don't like it when players do that, though. It kind of feels like you're pigeonholing an organization who gave you a shot to play in the NHL. I feel like you should be thankful. But obviously, he's a generational talent. Yeah. And he knows that. The team knows that. The league knows that. And... I guess he's just trying to – he's kind of doing what I expect young players to do nowadays, which is sign the small deals with the team that drafted them, prove that they're all-star and generational talents, and then when free agency comes, make absolute bank, whether it be yeah. with that same team or somewhere else. Uh, a little bit too much concern about money. Uh, I don't enjoy that. I liked the loyalty thing. As much as I don't like Sidney Crosby and I'm not a huge fan of Ovi, the loyalty they both have to their franchises, incredible. And I love it because that's what I like my players of any team to have is loyalty. Yeah. And there's even got example. What? I'll use. Giroux. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> wanted Giroux. Hey, people probably wanted Giroux. Yeah, but he was loyal. he's loyal here. <laughs> he's loyal here. Go! You want loyalty? He got loyalty. He's, he he's loyal to the team. The team's not loyal to him. That's a good point. They have talked many times in his career about shopping him around. They never did, but 
I feel uh, like a a better example would be Pavelski, where there there was definitely yeah, like a Pavelski or a Thornton. Yeah, there's there's loyalty on both sides, but at the end of the day, business can't get done. So, one you know, also Achara had loyalty, except yeah. for this last year, and we're about to talk about Zdeno Char. Uh, Matt brought it up while we were talking before the show. Completely forgot he was a free agent. Zdeno Char was not even on my radar. Um, however, it's true he's a free agent after this last year. Uh, he is 45 years old, and the defenseman is currently. Uh, training in Slovakia back home um, and he's working out hard and is keeping all of his options open and has said, quote, there's no rush on anything. He has not yet made an announcement whether or not he will play this next season. Uh, He averaged about 18 minutes of ice time per game in the regular season, scoring two goals and registering eight assists to go with a plus five rating. Uh, Obviously we know he was the captain of the Bruins from 2006 to uh, 2020 uh, made his NHL debut in 1997 has played 1,608 games. Uh, he could also pass Ray Bork, Larry Murphy, Scott Stevens, Dave Andrichuk, Chris Chelios, and former Bruins teammate, Mark Recchi. If he plays another NHL season um, and Damn. move into seventh all time for games played. Damn. Uh, so what do we, where do we think Zidane lands? I have a team in mind. Uh, but Matt, since you're the one that brought it up before the show began, I want to ask you: Where do you think uh, Big Z goes? Do you think he might play over uh, overseas? You know, I didn't really put the greatest detail of like where exactly is the best fit for him because looking around, they kind of have to wedge him in there. But I kind of want to split my ideas into. Two halves, one being playoff teams, obviously, teams that, you know, are expected to make the playoffs, have a little bit of room. I'll throw a team out there in the Dallas Stars. You know, they came out missing the playoffs. Most of the reason to miss a playoff is because COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a young decor. And they, they just lost Alexiak. And they just lost Alexiak. Um mm, I would say, you know, another one could be Colorado, but looking at their cap, it's not much to move. Uh, But then again, Zidane Ochar isn't really asking for much. You could probably get away with giving him like 900K. Yeah. 850K, something like that. Um, I was going to say he made 750 with Washington. Yeah. Oh, you could get him for cheaper. Is that the league minimum? Uh, it is a, it is a league so. minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as non-playoff teams, I think there's a lot more teams that are willing to take them on, especially uh, teams that have younger players, especially younger defensemen. A team like Anaheim, LA, San Jose, I think could fit well. I know Adam just gave me that look like, whoa. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa. I'm saying that because our defense is kind of sort of stacked. As, yeah. as it is, it is stacked. You still That's got fair. Pickles. Exactly. Pickles, Burns, Carlson, Ferraro. Yeah, but, no, um, I can see what you're saying, specifically with the younger teams like the Anaheims and the LAs. Um, what about a team that is in the playoff hunt in uh, Winnipeg? 
Winnipeg that, just. I hmm. think they need defense. <clears throat> I I would defense. almost certain they need D men. Look. Um. Uh, but oh, no, I think they're pretty good on D. Really. Uh, Morrissey, Schmidt, Dylan, Demello, uh, Bellew, Stanley, and then a couple of prospects. So I mean, mm-hmm. could you could shoot, shoehorn a uh, Zadino Char in there? But I mean, if you do that, I'm terrified of Winnipeg. Oh, absolutely, yeah, no I doubt. About am, it, I'm terrified. I'm already like Scooby Doo shaking in my my boots. Little little Scoobert Doo. Yeah, Scoobert. Ruh-ruh. Well, Adam, where do you think Big Z is going to land? I was looking – I'm looking around cap-friendly trying to see where a good fit for him would be. Um, my gut tells me Boston or Washington again. Boston is like the last hurrah. Uh, Washington just because, you know, that's where he played his last season. Uh, but my brain and my crackpot wanting to be crazy idea – so, I thought you were about to say crackhead, like, oh. Uh, I mean, listen. You've been right, smoking we, the crack, huh, Adam? Nah, we, he's we been drinking the Diet Coke. We all know what's true. in it. It's true. <laughs> listen, we don't talk about what we do off the pot, all right? You do it on the pot. Well, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, the, 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 crack, the crackhead idea that I had was uh, Love it. He, goes, he goes back to the place he was drafted. Ottawa? Islanders. Oh, the Islanders, yeah. Wait, yeah, I was also going to say the Islanders. That was my team uh, where Big Z lands. People forget that he played there for a few seasons. Well, that's I, because he wasn't Big Z when he was with the Islanders. He was just he, he was just he was just Zidano. It's like, oh hey, there, there's a uh, char. Yeah, um, one, two, three, four seasons before he ended up in uh, Ottawa. In Ottawa. Yeah, I also had the Islanders uh, for his landing spot uh, just because the Islanders could definitely benefit from his defense and his uh, veteran talent. Um, now, whether it's his last year in the NHL, I think it is. Uh, but there's also the chance he could just be like, well, yeah, I'm done. I'm going to hang him up. So, obviously, we will see. Oh. But uh, Boom. he could. He, he I could. I appreciate you bringing that up on the pod, there, Bing. Boom. He could if he wants to. Boom. He's played in the NHL for a very long time. If he decided to hang him up, I don't think anybody is judging him for it. I just don't want it to happen. Well, there's eh. another uh, longtime NHLer that's on the free agency market is one uh, Patrick Marlowe. Paddy Marlowe also on the free agency market. Um, But speaking of Big Z, who was the Bruins captain from 06 to 2020, there is another Bruin, a big one, that currently looks like he might not be playing for the Bruins next year unless something happens. And that would be their goaltender, Tuka Rask. As of right now, the Bruins have re-signed Swayman and have just signed uh, Allmark from the uh, from the uh, Sabres, but have yet to re-sign Tuka Rask, who I believe is a restricted free agent. Yes, no? Should be. Should be. Who, Rask? Yeah. Yeah, he's a UFA, unrestricted. Oh, he's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, Um, he's been in the league for so long. He's 34. So according to um, 98.5, the sports hub in Boston – 
The Bruins have not yet closed the door on Tuka Rask, but it's it's not looking like he's coming back. Um, they they re-signed uh, Swayman. Um, they have the Daniel Vladar, um, who was signed in free agency, and then also got Linus Allmark from the Sabers. Um, now Rask did have a surgery. I uh, forget on what. Was it a knee? I think it was a knee surgery. Knee or hip? One. It was in the lower body. Um, but as of right now, it doesn't look like the Bruins are rushing to re-sign him. And I'm not quite sure what teams are in on Tuka Rask right now. I haven't heard anything about Tuka, if I'm being honest with you. I, have he- I haven't heard anything about Tuka either. I'm wondering if teams are forgetting that he's a UFA. I think it's a problem where he's one of those guys that I think could still make a couple million. And a lot of the teams that are in need of goaltending are probably teams that uh, aren't going to be of interest to Tuca. I look at, you know, Buffalo, Ottawa, uh, Nashville, Anaheim, Anaheim. Here's here's my pick for where Tuca wants to go. If I'm Tuca Rass, that is. Uh, and that's just because I love anarchy. Let's go to Chicago. Oh God! Why would little, you? Little Tuka, little Mark Andre Fleury combo for a team that's supposed to be rebuilding but forgot, and they're just going for it at this point. Um, Why not? Why not the Chicago Blackhawks? What was looking like on cap friendly, Adam? Because I know that's what you're typing. Uh, has, uh, he, they I'm are sorry o- to do this. I'm sorry to do this to you. Now they're over the cap. Are what they over the cap? 83.6. Is there anyone they could ship off to give to Karask like three to four mil? Uh, oh, well, actually, now that you said that there was talks of them trading away a, uh, a Dylan Strom, uh, I believe Calvin DeHaan was another name I saw floating out there. So, so if they get rid of a Strom or a DeHaan, Tukarask is not going to make seven and a half mil again. That's just not happening. You get Tukarask for three mil over uh, how long's uh, Flowers contract? Is that just uh, a year? Just, it's just this year. You get you get Tuka on a two year deal, three mil a pop. You got a Mark Andre Fleury, a Tuka Rask combo wombo. Um, Bing, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like this. <laughs> I do not, especially because then you've got a Seth Jones defensive. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And if you don't get rid of Dehan, you have him back there. Uh, Patty Kane and uh, a freshly Herbie Doc is back. Yeah, uh, Taves, DeBrincat, God, why do you do this? I love giving you sleepless nights. I think it's my favorite. I, think it's my favorite I don't thing sleep as do. it is. Yeah, but now you're going to be up all night being like, okay, so if Tukaras goes to Chicago, uh, what is it because they got to share time? <laughs> I'm going to look like the guy from Always Sunny that's got the, the board. Charlie. Rope. Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. Yeah. Pepe like, Sylvia. Pepe Sylvia. There's no, There's no Pepe, Pepe. Sylvia. No Pepe here. I have a I uh, so, so part of my so part of the things I do at my job is I, I do the mail for the for the department and I have a I have a, a printed meme in my in my uh, cubicle that's uh, Charlie 
and he's going, let's talk about the mail. You want to talk about the mail? I feel like we haven't talked about the mail. <laughs> I love it, dude. It's, it's honestly one of the best scenes in the show. Absolutely. But that's what I'm saying. Tuka Rass to Chicago. Make it happen, Blackhawks. Let's see how wild we can get here. Huh? Why not? I hate it. Why not? Huh? Let's do it. Let's it. do it. Every day. Why? Bring, him, bring him. Uh, <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that oh. San Jose has Aiden Hill and uh, James Reimer, I would low-key like Tuca to come to San Jose. But I think we're locked up for now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Uh, speaking of goaltenders, let's get into some uh, a comparison of sorts. Ooh. This was brought up to our friend Max from Take a Pitch, another podcast on the Southside Productions Network. It is an Igor Shesterkin of the New York Rangers and a Carter Hart of the Philadelphia Flyers, who have both recently gotten re-signed. Now, here's the difference, is that Igor Shesterkin is set to uh, make 5.65 mil over four years, uh, well, yearly over four years for a total of 22.6 repeating uh, million. Of course. That time. Uh, it's Shout the most money to ever be handed out in AAV and total dollars to an NHL goaltender in his second contract. And Carter Hart, on the other hand, is set to uh, uh, sign for three years at $3.9 million on his 23rd birthday, which I think is cool. Uh, so obviously is making less money. Now let's get into the nitty gritty on to why that might be. So we'll just go over last the year's stats alone. So last year, Igor Shosturkin posts a 31, oh no, a um, 16, 14, and 3 record with a 916 save percentage and a 2.62 goals against average. Carter Hart, on the other hand, posts a 9, 11, and 5 record at a. Um, 877 save percentage and a 367 goals against average. Now, people are probably wondering why is Carter Hart making so little uh, considering what Igor Shosturkin just made? My rebuttal would be Carter Hart played like shit last year and Igor Shosturkin played well. <laughs> pretty good. I think it's, I cl- I think it's clear as day. I think it's clear as day. Well. I think better than. Well, I yeah, Shosturkin showed good. up and showed out. Yeah. Those are good stats to have. Fifth in Calder voting. You know, I, I just, just to me, it's like, I don't really see the question as much as the answer being so apparently obvious. Yes, they're both of the, the kind of the same age range and the same time spent in the NHL, but Carter Hart just, didn't have it last year, man. It was bad. It was bad, bad. Um, so I think Carter Hart just got a prove it contract, really. It's like, yeah, we'll give you three years, but we're not going to pay you a lot because we don't know what you are anymore. We thought we knew what you were, but we don't. And Igor Shosturkin's like, hey, I'm here and I'm ready to make this team into something great. And he proved it. And that's why he got the bigger contract for more years because of what he did. I really feel like that's self-explanatory, no? Yeah, but makes sense to me. You you forgot who presented the question. This is true. Uh, Max is a Rangers fan. I don't know if he just 
wanted me to outright say that Carter Hart is the worst goalie of the two. That's possible. It's probably but what he's aiming for. Who's had playoff stats? Uh, both Good point. It's a great point. No, only uh, Igor's got no playoff stats. Yes, he does. He has a game, but he does have a stat. A game. Sorry. My bad. My bad. <laughs> I mean, it, right. it doesn't prove Respect anything. Yeah. yeah, so does Carter Hart have the playoff experience? Yes. Yes, he does. Did he perform well in the playoffs? Yes. Yes, he did. Did he perform well, well in the year prior to signing the deal? No, he did not. No, he did not. No, he did not. Can't 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 hit can't tiptoe around that. But at the end of the day, it was just, it was the snowball effect. You know, the defense was bad in front of him. Freaking, you know, uh, following the Flyers, you you hear a lot about how they act and uh, hearing how Carter rolls. He he tends to be a dude who likes to chill with the the boys. Be, re, he likes being around that environment with the fellas, going out to dinners and stuff. And last year with the whole COVID pandemic year, that wasn't really happening. So, yeah. So, and that could be the case. Uh, however, you can't really bank money on that, especially no, when it can't. comes to millions of dollars. So that is why Carter Hart's making less money. Max, I'm not saying the question was stupid, but just think a little bit. But. If it's you right think, in front of you. <laughs> I'll give you this. I'll give you this thought, Max. So they gave Carter Hart this deal. Now, before last year, we've been saying that. I mean, we still say it. Carter Hart is the future of the Flyers. He is a really good goaltender. He has to be. This, right. this, that. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, if you think about it, they gave. Carter Hart this contract with a lot of leverage and the fact that just about everyone's expecting him to bounce back a lot more a lot of people are thinking he's going to bounce back really well if he continue if he has three good years if not great years in this contract he's got all the leverage in the world to really ask this team for a lot of money and this team better give it to him if he's you know putting up those kind of numbers like absolutely top five goalie in the league that that is what it's going to take for these three years and it doesn't even have to be over the extended three years but he has to prove he can be what the flyers need him to be in order for him to make that big contract and it's not too late it's not he's going to be too old in three years you know he's going to be people have bad years people People have bad bad years in hockey it just sucks that it happened on a contract year yeah people are Completely forget that, uh, you know, Mark Andre Fleury lost a playoff series to Ilya Brzgalov, who was a psychopath. He was a psychopath. Like, it, he played it, awful that se- series only and game. season. Why you have to be made? You had to be made. It only game. We should get him on the pod, baby. Now, that is a perfect candidate for this podcast, is and a psychopath, Ilya Brzgalov. Yes. Absolutely. Um, speaking of be nice to, you, you got to be nice to him. You can't call him a psychopath who hurts feelings and won't fucking come on his pod. Actually, I think he might want to, to defend himself and talk more oh. about the universe. I think he's tired of defending himself. I think he might be as well. Uh, but speaking of psychopaths. Oh, no. This is our last player thing before we have a little bit of fun at the end of the podcast. Um, Evander Kane. 
Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So Evander Kane has had some more allegations put on his name at this point. Uh, everybody was wondering what was going on with the uh, the gambling and the losing of the money and the bankruptcy and all the that Instagram posts. The Instagram the... posts. And so his wife takes to Instagram, well, now his uh, soon-to-be ex-wife, and starts claiming that he has been betting on his own games, which I don't know if you know this, folks, but that is a no-no. So what exactly are the gambling allegations? Well, Anna Kane, his soon-to-be ex-wife, alleged on Instagram that her husband bet on Sharks games with bookies and through games for gambling purposes. She also claimed Kane had a gambling addiction that was causing the couple hardship. In response, Kane posted on Twitter that he has never bet on hockey, including Sharks games, and he has never thrown a game. Uh, and here's what we know about his gambling problem. Evander Kane has a history with gambling. He gambled openly on table games at Las Vegas casinos. In April 2019, he failed to pay a $500,000 casino marker from the Cosmopolitan while he was in town for a playoff series against the Golden Knights. The Cosmopolitan filed a complaint in November of 2019, and the case was dropped by the casino in 2020. In January, Kane filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy as part of his legal filings. He claimed that he had lost $1.5 million gambling at casino and via bookie over a 12-month span leading up to his bankruptcy petition. According to Cat Friendly, Kane has lifetime earnings in the NHL of just under $56 million. He's three years into a $49 million contract with the Sharks and has $26 million remaining on it. And the NHL is now investigating, has Kane bet on hockey? I think when we it, know who to start with. I think we know who to start with. Oh. Uh, Adam, what, let me, what's let happening me here, buddy? Before what's we get on? your opinion, I need to ask you this. You watch the Sharks. You watch them deep. Is there any sort of hints or scenes that you've seen that you could say that it might be a case that Vander Kane was tanking in those games? Uh, I could, I, I'm willing to say while I'm looking this up, no, for the simple okay. reason that unless I am mistaken, and I have of course closed NHL.com, um, I am almost positive that Evander Kane was our leading scorer. Right. You, you can't take a team if you're the leading scorer. How do you win games, boys? You score Gosh, goals. Thank you. So it may sound like, oh, I'm going to stand here and defend Evander Kane. I, oh, I, on just a personal level, err on the side of innocent until proven guilty. I think that's how, you know, everyone should err. Not the, the cancel culture way of things that seem to have grown over the last few years. That's not to say that those things aren't warranted, but I digress. That's just me personally. Um, now, go on. Now, I do want to ask you, according to several longtime Nevada bookmakers from multiple casinos, uh, they said that they had never seen or heard of Kane betting on sports in town. Uh, and there are many more sports book options than just in Las Vegas, of course, including local and offshore bookmakers who offer more, uh, you know, anonymity than a regular U.S. betting market. However, it sounds like he did most of his betting in casinos. So if the bookies and the casinos are saying he didn't do it, 
why is this a conversation? Because her his now wife is making noise. Yes, exactly. So my guess here is, is that obviously his uh, soon-to-be ex-wife um, was claiming that it was putting hardships on their relationship. And if you actually read the Instagram story she put up, it did sound very emotionally driven. They could have been going through a fight or another hardship or something of that nature. My thing is, is I don't think Evander Kane bet on hockey. Do I think he has a gambling problem? Absolutely. Do I think that he probably should have filed for bankruptcy? Probably. But I don't think he bet on hockey. And I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what more proof there needs to be other than the fact that uh, apparently ESPN reached out to a few active players who have said, did he gamble? Yeah. But was it on hockey? No. Guys in hockey locker rooms are very close. They tell each other almost everything. And uh, he was the leading scorer on the team. Yeah, I do have his stats for the season. 22 goals, 27 assists, 49 points. Number one scorer on the Sharks, followed closely by Tomas Hurdle, who had 43 points. Exactly. It's like, but, how is he going to throw games if he's the leading point getter on the team? Yeah, that's... that it makes that's no sense. My issue with most of the allegations i know as far as what you were saying i shouldn't say i know um i vaguely have a recollection because after he responded to the initial post by the wife the wife ex-wife then came out with her own response and i vaguely remember something about him and this might have actually been in the first allegation post something about him hopping on planes and possibly going overseas to gamble don't directly quote me on that but i mean there's there's your your loophole to, yeah you know your, your your bookkeeper saying oh we've never seen him bet on games here if you so, want to look at that thing yeah so obviously uh, um the investigation could definitely take a while on this especially if there's overseas implications and we're only commenting on it but for me personally and i don't know if you guys agree with me i don't think there's any way he could have been betting on his own games if he was literally the highest point getter on the team he doesn't was obviously make any doing, sense it makes unless, no sense makes unless, no sense i mean i don't know if what did was it directly stated that he was betting on them to lose sure or anything like that but here's also my next point he played left wing uh, go, I, he I plays for only portions of an entire um, hockey game how how are you so, going to throw a, if you're a goalie yeah that makes a lot of sense yes he was left wing what that make this makes no sense at all Wait, you play you played lackluster defense there's four other guys on the ice there's one other layer to all of this that, and that would be really kind of surprised hasn't come up already that um, let me get the name of the uh, yes. Uh, Kevin Kurz, who is a, uh, a writer for the athletic uh, reporting on a lot of sharks uh, news media, whatever have you, someone I follow on Twitter and get a lot of my sharks news from uh, put out an article August 3rd with the headline. Several Sharks teammates don't want Evander Kane back on the team. 
Well, that makes a lot of sense. There's obviously a lot of drama surrounding a player, and no guy really wants all that drama in the locker room. But, like, maybe he's just a bad teammate. But at the same I've, time, like – I've heard that from many people, uh, one of them being our friend uh, Jeff Quake in the group chat, who's, you know, said on many an occasion that he views Evander Kane as a locker room problem. Um I was under the same impression until he got to the Sharks and it was stated on more than one occasion that the Sharks locker room was helping him mature as a person and as a player. And he seemingly was bettering himself. I feel like pre-Sharks Kane era or pre-Sharks Kane era. Yeah, sure. English. Um, Right on, right on. um, Was a lot more problematic than post Sharks came, in my opinion. I feel like up until recently, there hasn't been a lot of talk about him being a problem player on the ice. Um, off the ice, there wasn't as much um, until recently. So I don't know. Again, I like to err on the side of innocent until proven guilty. I also don't want to be the person that completely throws the accused, the accuser um, and their accusations out the window and disregarded as disgruntled wife not happy with husband so it's a sticky situation i would like i will refrain i have said it in the group chat if this is something that's nothing then keep him with the sharks if this is actually a problem then i would love to see the sharks buy him out and use that money to better the team in other ways because at the end of the day i just want to see the sharks succeed so however it gets it done it gets it done no matter if i like kane or not and that is the mind of a good GM. Yes, obviously, we're just commenting on the scenario because it's obviously something that needs to be brought up and talked about. We don't know all the facts. And obviously, we're not going to know the facts for probably a pretty long time because uh, this investigation could take a bit. It I definitely say, could. Just so, a, as, a, as a brief aside, it is a little odd that the NHL jumped on this and didn't jump on a certain other accusation that we talked about from a certain other organization on the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. It is a bit on the odd side, no? But we digress. We we will not make any claims. Uh, yeah. Because we don't know things until they're told to us or we find we're out. We're morons. We are. We're idiots. We're idiots hey. to talk about a sport that involves ice and a, a stick. Okay? So we're dumb. Um, sorry, if dumb. I, sorry, sorry if I hurt your feelings, Adam. No, it's okay. Listen, no, I, I solely admit that I'm a moron. We are, we are legitimate morons. Uh, speaking yeah. of being moronic, we have reached the last portion of this episode. Oh, no. So it's time buddy, to act moronic. So it's time to act stupid. We're going to answer questions fielded by uh, Max again from Take a Pitch because uh, he had some oh. questions for us. And uh, Adam, I believe you have those questions. So if you want to start rambling those bad I boys off, we will do. give our answers. And maybe uh, we could open the floor to any listeners that would like to ask us questions and uh, drop them yeah, on the, uh, Instagram. Drop them in the DM Instagram, us. folks. Yeah. Put Send up. us messages. So uh, a lot of these questions were posed at the time of the Seattle Kraken expansion draft, so they're a bit outdated, but will proceed as normal. Uh, there's a series of four questions here, with question number one being, why did the Isles protect Martin and Clutterbuck? 
Personally, I think it's because of what Martin and Clutterbuck mean to that franchise. Uh, two guys that are obviously big factors on that team and also just big, huge bodies. For a team that plays a physical style of hockey, you need bodies like that. And I understand their choice to keep those two. They're leaders in the clubhouse. They're leaders on the ice. And they make a big impact on the ice with their size. And honestly, especially when it comes to Martin, his skill. Um, very good at what he does. And so is Cal Clutterbuck, even though he's at the tail end of his career. I get the choice. I get the decision to protect those two. Um, Matt, how about you? Um, it's a good question, thinking about uh... – how Seattle's uh, uh, shaped up, you know, what's his name? Uh, who'd, who'd they take from? Uh, Eberly. Jordan Eberly. Eberly. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan Eberly. Eberly. He's one of their highest paid players. Um, I think they Ooh. would rather have them take that rather than Clutterbuck or Martin and figure out how they're going to fix their third and fourth line. I think that's my opinion, why they protected those players. I don't know if I can with that because I know Everly to be one of their better players. He was their fourth uh, highest scoring, actually technically tied for third with uh, Brock Nelson, both of whom had 33 points. Uh, Barzell, to no one's surprise, led the team with 45. Big shock, big shock. Had uh, 35. But I mean, if I was Lou Lamorello, Lou Lamorello, thank you for allowing me to (laughs) properly. Uh, <laughs> if I was him, I probably would have used one of those two protection spots on Jordan Everly. Um, that's just me. I feel like the likelihood of Seattle taking a Clutterbuck or Martin might not have been as high, but uh, again, the way Seattle actually drafted kind of shocked all of us. So who knows? Uh, but if I was... In that seat, I would have preferred to have had Eberly over Clutterbuck. Yeah, no, I could agree with that there. All right, next question, good buddy. All right, so uh, circling back to a one, Mr. Jack Eichel, uh, Max posed the question, why does Eichel make sense for the Rangers? Because I don't get it. I'm going to read this verbatim. Uh, I do, but injury history makes me not understand. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. When I first read that, it didn't make sense Englishly, but I don't speak English. Evident by the fact I said the word Englishly. Exactly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Some so weird once, form of I'll, funky I'll start. So he wants us to... He wants, he wants, he wants, us, wants to us to make explain. sense to yes. make sense why, to him. Why does Eichel make sense for the New York Rangers? Um but given his injury history, that's what his hangup is. It, my opinion of why it would make sense is that they would want in the next coming years to kind of change their top end players, as in Mika Zibanejad might not be a Ranger coming, coming in the future. Maybe that's the case. Yeah, I can could, I could see what you're saying there, yeah. But um, as far as, in my opinion, why – it doesn't make sense is that you need deaf players to really put together a system to work. You can't just have all skilled players. Yeah. You can't just have all top end talent. You need a full lineup. Yeah. Um, 
And that's a good question, Max. It is uh, personally, I don't think it makes any sense for the Rangers at all. Uh, I think they need to focus on keeping Zibanejad around before they even consider getting Eichel. Uh, I don't know why it is the Rangers are in on, in on Eichel. Maybe it's just because that's what the Rangers do. They just they they see shiny big name and they go get it. Um, it's kind of a reoccurring theme in New York. <clears throat> Javi Baez. Anyways, um, so uh, <laughs> but but for me specifically i'm in agreement with max here it doesn't make much sense to me either and i think we just went over the whole injury situation it, it borderline doesn't make sense for anybody in the league to go ahead and try and put all of their chips in the jack high school uh bag you know what i'm saying yeah um i'm looking at their team and thinking about this the biggest thing that makes the most sense to me and you guys could correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like a lot of the teams that have won the Stanley Cup the last couple of years have had depth up the middle. Yeah, Big time, man. And that's something looking at Cap Friendly and the Rangers roster, they have, but they also don't. Their centers, and I'm reading this as Cap Friendly has it, their centers include, as of right now, Mika Zibanejad, Ryan Strom, who also plays the wing, Philip uh, Cheadle, who also plays the wing and Kevin Rooney. So that would be your four down the middle. If you add Jack Eichel to that mix, you not only strengthen and make your center cord deeper, you also open up the possibility of moving guys like Ryan Strom or Philip Cheadle guys who might not be the strongest at center around your lineup to allow you more flexibility of crafting a team that can go deep in the playoffs, which they've basically found themselves kind of back in that contention with how they've drafted and how they've kind of built this team along. Um, That's the only thing that makes the most sense to me Uh, from a cap standpoint. It kind of doesn't because that is going to lock you in, especially if you want to keep Mika's Zibanejad around. Um. Injury standpoint, we've kind of already covered, so mm. I take that how you will. In that same breath, all signs seem to be pointing to Ryan Strom exiting New York, which opens a hole for a certain center. This is true. Um, things are kind of lining up in the way where Eichel looks good in New York, but for me, if I'm the Rangers right now, I'm mostly focusing on keeping Mika Zibanejad around. That's my main focus, Jack yeah. Eichel, later problem. You know, so it, It'll be interesting to see how the rest of the Eichel situation uh, plays out. I think right now it's pretty clear that teams like Vegas that we're in have kind of started looking elsewhere to fill that cap that they opened up. Mm-hmm. Um, the Flames were kind of a surprise when you mentioned them to me. They, uh, seem, they seem like they're in. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but I still think my, my big three in the idol race, New York, Las Vegas, LA. Yeah. I would say that's definitely the, the biggest three. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you there, Max, buddy. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Uh, all right. Next question there, Adam. Uh, so number three. Oh, actually, he has a two A here, but two A. 
this will be kind of quick. Uh, in all caps, I'm not going to be as angry because I'm not that kind of guy. But uh, how the fuck did someone decide Brett Howden was worth anything? With three question marks. That's a, that's a bit aggressive. I kind of like Brett Howden. <laughs> uh, hockey, that's why. Uh, moving yeah. on. <laughs> there you go. Bada bing, bada bing, problem solved. Uh, back on the expansion draft. Why were so many big names left unprotected? Cap. Yeah, the flat yeah, cap, cap coming up. Flat, flat cap, cap coming up. up. It, I mean, I, the flat cap thing is kind of something that guys like us know, but not every casual hockey fan ends up knowing that that's like imminent at this point. Uh, but yeah. yeah, cap. Free up cap yeah, space. Absolutely. Help yourself in the future. Uh, and also not a lot of big names were picked up, to be honest with you. So it wasn't yeah. even that big of a problem. Which, I mean, Seattle did kind of say out the gate that, you know, Cap was going to be their friend. We didn't think it'd be that much their friend, but it was their friend. Well, Um, we'll just have to see what they do in the future, but, you know. Unless you're you're Mr. Brian Bingman, who could say F you to the Cap and Spend all the money! (laughs) Take, what was it? Almost like $28 million? (laughs) It was $28 million wrapped up in three players. (laughs) God help us if you ever GM a team. And last, and this is a more personal question for us here at the pod. Uh, when the fuck am I going to see you, motherfuckers? It's been way too long. It has been way too long. Yeah, I mean, here's the problem is that we live in Pennsylvania. Um, even Matt you and live. I, who live relatively close to each other, barely see each other. We I have his wa- I have Brian's water bottle up in my kitchen that has he's, had my, he's had my water bottle for months now. He's um, holding it ransom. And we don't see Adam all that much because we're still convinced he lives in the middle of nowhere and is never to be found. I actually um, just live in space. We don't know. We have no idea. And you guys live in New York, which by the way is dangerous territory for us who are Philadelphia sports fans. And, uh, you know, for Adam, I'm not quite sure if he has roads. I do. I can't confirm. Because how did I get to the issue every day? I kind of assumed he just, like, hopped on Bigfoot's back and just, like, rode him in a way. No, it was was actually deer. I just rode a deer in the town. Okay, great. So you're you're a deer whisperer. That's good. Uh, But no, we have have not seen the boys (laughs) in a while. Um, I think what we were tossing around the idea of is when hockey season does come round, we meet at a game somewhere, yeah. get the boys together, take a pitch on the power play, take on some hockey content, content. Well, we, we also talked about just taking a trip to New York and shooting pucks at Brian for God knows how long. That was also uh, tossed around. Um, uh, good luck getting ones by me. Sorry, not sorry. I mean, true. Um, I will give you this tidbit. If the guys from take a pitch are listening and for you gentlemen, high blocker side. My weakest part. My weakest I point. Will... High blocker we'll, side. Hold on. We'll make it work, Maxie. Yeah, I, I miss you right, too. I, I want to see you too, it. buddy. Yes. Uh, but that will do it for episode 35. Episode Tony Esposito. May he rest in peace. Of on the power play. Go buy the merch, folks. It is on. No take. Did, did you just know? You just literally <laughs> wrote down high blocker side. Yeah, that okay. did. All right. Well, now, now Adam has that information. Um, <laughs> go on the social medias, both of them at OTPP pod on Twitter and Instagram. Go to the bio, click the link, buy go the merch. To the merch store and buy some of it. You're going to want it. It's good looking stuff. 
Weather's getting a bit brisker now. We got sweatshirts. I'm pretty sure we got a blanket, if I'm not mistaken. We uh, might. If not, we'll have to have one now. If not, it's going to be the winter, so we're going to have one And anyways. also, go over to uh, Take a Pitch and tell them how much better we are. Exactly. Let the Take a Pitch guys know we're better. I also want to throw out one thing. If oh, you no. guys are following Insta, if you follow on social media, uh, give reporter Bob McKenzie a follow. He just recently Ooh, yeah. created a TikTok, and it is great content. Gotta love Free- Bob McKenzie. And we love all you, the listeners. Thank you again for listening to On the Power Play. Uh, as far as weeks off are concerned, we did take last week off. That's going to not be like a every week scenario. Thing. It just might be a reoccurring theme where like, hey, it's the off season. We got other stuff going on. We might take a week off, but we will always let you guys know on the socials. So stay tuned to those again at OTPP pod. We go. College boy. <laughs>